0: Today's scripture reading is from John 15, 1 through 17, and I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends, if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. This is God's word.
1: The next several weeks, we're going to be looking at how the church, the community of Jesus Christ, thrives together. We thrive together. We're going to be looking at connectivity in Christianity. And we're going to spend the next several weeks focusing on different images in the Bible of this connectivity. Starting with this image that Jesus gives his disciples in the upper room the night before he was betrayed. The night before he died. In John 15, of a vine and its branches. We'll start with that image. One of my earliest childhood memories is of my great-great-uncle's grapevine in Brooklyn, New York. It was a city, but he had a garden, and I was very little, but I still can remember the grapevine. And as a little kid, it seemed like there were thousands and thousands of grapes on that thing. I have a picture of him next under his grapevine, smiling. I, I, I have it. I couldn't dig it up. I didn't have time to dig it up this week. I do have a more recent memory of, of such a thing, Last, it was in my own backyard right now, in my own backyard last winter, uh, we we took a handful of rotting pumpkins that were on the front steps and we threw them in the garden just for fun. This fall, uh, we found a pumpkin vine growing, a beautiful little pumpkin patch. And we had about four pumpkins. I think there were, were there four? We had four beautiful pumpkins so I didn't have to go buy any. Which was really cool, um, but when I when I think of my great-great-uncle's great great uncle's grapevine, and when I look at the pumpkin patch in my own backyard, the word I think of is abundance. This makes me think of abundance. There is a one and many aspect to abundance, isn't there? There is a singular aspect, and there's a group aspect to such abundance because you can pick one grape you can pick one pumpkin but that one is a part of a healthy many uh, that are living off of one healthy vine many branches an abundance of fruit one vine abundance you know in traditional cultures uh, throughout human history the value is put on the community, often at the expense of the individual. In contemporary Western culture, it's just the opposite. We basically worship the individual at the expense of the community. But as you look at the New Testament and what Jesus and the new, and the apostles were trying to communicate through it, is this idea that... that The Christian community focuses on the many without losing sight of the one. The Christian community focuses on nurturing the whole without overlooking the individual. And actually, growing personally, if you're a Christian, and and, and if you're not, I'm glad you're here, because you're going to learn more about what it means to be a Christian. Growing personally in in Christianity never means growing individualistically. But growing together. Growing personally always is connected to growing together. So I want to talk about not only growing personally, but growing corporately and growing abundantly. Okay? Growing personally, growing corporately, and growing abundantly. Now, let's talk about branches, okay? There is a personal aspect to growing in your faith. Uh, Jesus looks at his disciples and says, you are like branches. You are the branches. It's actually a metaphor. There's a personal aspect to growing in Christian faith. You can mature as a person. You can ripen as a disciple of Jesus and become fruitful. Basically, become a productive person. Uh, like uh, being grafted in to a vine, like like branches, like grafted in branches. But but you're grafted into Jesus, he says. And he was speaking. He was speaking to an agricultural mindset. Okay, this is Jerusalem. Uh, this is Palestine. There were groves and vineyards all around Jerusalem. If you went into the temple courts and you looked at the outer structure of the holy place. It, it was a line with a golden vine, a golden grapevine, all around its perimeter. So the disciples, uh, the idea of, of vineyards and, um, and grapes, it was just part of their culture. It was part of their economy. And he's speaking to that. Actually, the vine, the idea of a vine, that image, it represented all of Israel. If you look back into the Old Testament, you read Psalm 80. This is what Asaph, the psalmist, said to God. You brought a vine Out of Egypt, you drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it. It took deep root and filled the land. And then the prophet Isaiah said this. Let me sing for my beloved, my love song, concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it and hewed out a wine vat in it. And he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded sour grapes. Sorry, that was my own interpretation. It says, but it yielded wild grapes. Isaiah went on to identify who the vineyard farmer was and what the vineyard was. The vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. And the men of Judah are his pleasant planting. And he looked for justice, but behold, Bloodshed, for righteousness, but behold, an outcry. So when Jesus says to his disciples the night before he was crucified, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser, meaning my dad's the gardener, my dad's the farmer, but I'm the true vine, when he said that, it was as if he was saying, I have succeeded, I have fulfilled God's plan for his people in in a way that Adam never did, that Abraham never could, that Moses never could, that David never could, that all of Israel never could, I have done it. I have been faithful. I'm the true vine. So it follows then that a person's fruitfulness, that your fruitfulness as a Christian is by necessity found in Christ. Being in Christ means you're grafted into the only person who is ever faithful. And so he goes on to say in verses 4 and 5, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I'm the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. He uses this word abide. What do you think abiding means? I want to hear what you think. What does it mean to abide in Jesus? Yeah. To rest. rest. Interesting. As in not being busy or moving around, staying in one place, or more of a state of mind. A little bit of both. Okay. To abide means to rest. Yeah. To be intimate with him. Okay. Yeah, in the back. To (laughs) to live, yeah. Yeah, quite simply. Simple biology. You want to live? Stay connected. Good. Is there another? Yeah. To make Jesus your home. Okay. Okay. Finding Finding your identity in him. Hmm. We're going deeper. Any other thoughts? What, what might it mean to abide? Yes, Michelle. Okay. To obey. He does talk about obedience in here. Any other thoughts? What, is it, what does it mean to abide? Yeah. I think of the word abode. Abode. <laughs> abide, abode. Great. Good. Other, any other thoughts? Oh, a stationary sense to it. You're not going to leave. Okay, good. Anymore, any Yeah. To purposefully, to purposefully remain. So there is an intentionality to abiding. You mean to do it. Okay. You, you don't wander. Good. Yeah. Okay. Actively drawing your energy from him, from the vine. Good. Good. Yeah. Staying connected. You said it's it's kind of something we do all the time. What did you mean by that? Okay, like social media, you're always checking back. What's going on with my status? What are they doing? What, what, what meal are they eating on their vacation at this time of day? <laughs> great, good. All right, so in a sense, kind of our culture is like, well, we're always connected to something. But you're saying actively connect, staying connected to him. Yeah, great. Good insights. Thank you. Jesus said in verses 7 and 8, uh, I, I have a definition for abiding, but I, w- I want you to see this. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it'll be done for you. For, this, for by this, my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. And I thought about that, and this is what I've come up with for me, to abide in Jesus is to prayerfully and actively participate in his word, in his will, and in his work. And really in that order, because knowing his word informs you of his will, and knowing his will enables you to serve and to work and to do So abiding in him, remaining in him to prayerfully and actively participate in his word, in his will, and in his work. And this personal abiding, this personal remaining, it cultivates you. Cultivates you as a productive branch. It makes you fruitful. But unless your approach to Christianity becomes more than personal because it is this is very personal but here's the thing unless it becomes more than just personal you won't grow right if you really want to grow in a healthy way it's got to be more than just personal has to start there but it can't end there we've talked about branches let's talk about vines okay because there's a corporate aspect to growing in faith. Not just a personal aspect, there's a corporate aspect to it. I want to show you something. If you look at your Bibles, without exception, this entire passage, without exception, every second person pronoun, right? the word you, without exception, every you in the passage is plural. See, in English, we can't pick up on plural or singular with the word you, unless you say you all or I'm from you's guys. Okay. Every personal, every second person pronoun here is in the plural. So when Jesus says, abide in me and I in you, I am the vine. You are the branches, right? A Southerner would say, y'all are the branches. And I know it's grammatically correct. I just can't bring myself to do it. As a Northerner, I'd rather be grammatically incorrect and say, abide in me and I and you's guys. Um, anyway, yeah. So when Jesus is saying this, he's talking to his people. He's talking to his disciples and by extension to me and to you, you all abide in me and I in you all, you all are the branches and I'm the vine. <laughs> I know it's obvious, right? But I think the obvious here is critical. Okay. Have you ever seen, when's the last time you saw a tree with one branch? When was the last time you saw a vine with one grape, right? Or a patch with one pumpkin in it, right? That doesn't seem right to you, right? There's, there's no abundance there, right? It's many branches on a healthy tree. It's, it's many, many branches in a good vine and much fruit. Getting back to something Chrissy said earlier, we're kind of always connected to social media and to the internet, right? I mean, it's like the first thing you do when you walk into a cafe. What's, what's, what's the Wi-Fi and how do I log in? What is it? And, and you've got your phone. Your phone has like 50 different saved passwords on it depending on where you're going and where you're shopping and who you're hanging out with. Your phone has just got to remember all this stuff or you're not connected, where you are. And sometimes, for some of you who work where, there's, where you need that kind of connection, you can't get anything done, can you? When Wi-Fi is down. How many, how many times have you in an office is when the internet goes down, everyone's like, well, what do, what do we do now? Like some people are sent home because they can't work on the internet. No product productivity. So if Jesus were here now, if he were speaking to us, he probably wouldn't be talking about vines and branches. Maybe it would something like this. I am the true Wi-Fi router. And uh, my father is the IT manager. As a smartphone or a tablet or a personal computer... uh, ...cannot maintain productivity by itself... ...unless it is connected to the Wi-Fi... ...neither can you, unless you're logged into me. I am the Wi-Fi. You are the devices. Whoever remains connected to me and I to him... He it is that achieves much productivity. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I don't know. Maybe that hits a little bit closer to home. Now, now listen. Christians are productive as they abide in Christ. While, get this, while interconnected to one another. It's not that you're abiding in me and I'm abiding in you. It's that we all are abiding in Christ. The author of Hebrews put it perfectly. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together. As is the habit of some. See, even 2,000 years ago, it was hard to get people to go to church. But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Which means as Jesus is coming back. My own spiritual walk. I was a Christian since I was, I called myself a Christian since I was a little child. But honestly, looking back when I really began to grow in my faith. When my faith became productive. When I became fruitful was right around my college years. I know some of you are students here, so I'll make this very applicable to you, but I think everybody can relate. I found that I began growing in my faith and being a productive, fruitful Christian as I invested, or frankly, by the grace of God, just found myself. I think I walked backwards into this. Uh, Community in two contexts, a peer context, and frankly, for lack of a better expression, the, the local church context. My peer context in campus ministry allowed me to be connected with other Christians who were like-minded and who shared my personal experience right there on a secular campus. We were together. We understood one another. We were kind of the outsiders. We were the minority. We shared an experience, and that helped us. Pursue our faith together. And some of you are doing that right now in your life. Some of you are doing that in Bible study. Some of you, uh, maybe you're not a student anymore, but you're doing that in a community group. Smaller group of people, you understand one another, you identify with, with one another, and you have some unique shared experience. But that's not enough. And that's what I found. The local church gave me a a plethora of experiences and giftedness that I could not benefit from in my own affinity group, okay? So if you're a student... One of the best things for you, and Becky and I discovered this when we were in our late teens and early 20s, what, one of the best things for you is to be connected to older people who aren't students anymore and just to watch them raise their kids and watch them get sick and deal with cancer and watch each other, their loved ones die. That's one of the best things for you. For those of you who are empty nesters, what some of the young parents need is hope. That they're going to get through this. They need you. They need you. And they need your voice in their life. They need you to see in a non-judgmental way what they're up to. And just offering them a little, a little encouragement and praying for them. Interconnectivity. And, and, and by the way, these two contexts, the peer context of connectivity and the local church context of connectivity, it checks out biblically. If you read Acts chapter 2, we find at the very beginning... When Jesus gives birth to the church, they were meeting in the temple courts and they were meeting in each other's homes. That's how the gardener designed this new humanity. That's how God designed the church. That's how God designed our sanctification, our growing healthy and becoming productive for Jesus. So we grow in Christ both personally and corporately. So now when you think about growing in your faith, I want you to add into that growing as a brother in Christ to somebody else. Growing as a sister in Christ. Growing as a father or a mother in Christ. Not just you growing in Christ, but you growing in Christ as a vital part of somebody else's Christian walk. So that everyone is blessed Because everyone's serving. uh, So that everyone is receiving. Because everybody is giving. And no one is simply taking. We've talked about vines and branches. But let's talk about parasites. Because you can grow in a stunted way. You can grow, but grow deformed. I actually looked up a definition for parasite, and, and I confess, I didn't Google it, and I didn't even open the dictionary. I found it on my Apple computer, uh, and because I have a, a you know, you just, every apple comes with a basic dictionary. But this is what it said. This is what Apple told me, so it's got to be true. An organism, a parasite is an organism that lives in or on another organism, its host, and benefits by deriving nutrients at the host's expense. And so what you have to do is distinguish between growing personally and growing individualistically. Am I making any sense? Growing personally as opposed to growing individualistically. Look, individualism tells you that your greatest good is your self-expression. That your greatest good is feeling personally fulfilled. In what you do and where you work and how people see you and how you see yourself. Consumerism, okay. Consumerism tells you that your greatest investment is in the things and the institutions and the endeavors that please you the most. Individualism, consumerism. These mentalities are parasitic to your faith. They are parasitic to your personal faith. They are parasitic to all of us if you have bought into them. Parasitic to the individual and to the group. Unless your Christianity is is about both Jesus and his people, you're going to rot. You're going to rot. You're going to rot, is in a sense what Jesus is saying. Now, he talks about branches being pruned and some being thrown into the fire and burned up. I'm going to level with you. I, look at, I say this quite respectfully. I look at the Bible, and I just don't see how it is possible that anyone for whom Jesus died, anyone that has been made alive, regenerated, reborn by the Spirit of God, can lose their salvation. I read the Bible, I don't think it's possible. But here's what I think Jesus is getting at. You can lose your fruitfulness. You can lose your ability to be productive in Jesus' kingdom, in his paradigm. Saved, but irrelevant. Forgiven, but dead weight. That is what Jesus is warning about. What you do and what's important to you will be burned. Because in his economy, in his world, it's unproductive. It's unfruitful. And here's the thing. It's unnecessary. Individualism and consumerism as they impact our Christianity are not only parasitic, it's completely unnecessary when you look at what Jesus is actually offering you. What is he saying? We have an opportunity to grow abundantly, not, to, not just to survive, but to thrive. Look at what he says in verse 11. These things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you. God's joy in you. And that your joy may be full. Again, it's plural. That my joy may be in all of you. And that your joy, all of you, your joy may be full. Jesus wants us to have his joy with him, with his father, his joy. Actually, it was Nehemiah in the Old Testament. When he gathered everybody together, they were rebuilding the wall, the destroyed wall in Jerusalem. And and they, they were weeping because they heard the Bible for the first time in a long time. And he said, don't be discouraged. I know you're messing up. You know you're messing up. But don't be discouraged because he said to them, the joy of the Lord is your strength. This is not a joy that comes by way of of individualism or consumerism. You and me pursuing what pleases us most and what helps us express ourselves most conveniently. That's really not joy as Jesus understands it. It's joy is just the opposite. It's just the opposite of thinking individualistically. Joy, Joy is just the opposite of consumerism of having what you want, and pursuing just what's good for you. Joy is just the opposite of that. This kind of joy, it comes through selfless love. That's the only way to have true joy, is to participate in Christ's selfless love. Look at verses 12 and 13. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You see here? Selfless love, unconditional giving, produces abundance. And you know that's true just from agriculture and horticulture. A seed has to die for abundance to take place. You got to throw out the rotten pumpkin to get a vine the next year. And Jesus said that about himself. Unless I as a grain of wheat. Fall to the ground and die. I won't produce anything. But if it, if it falls to the ground and dies. It will produce a harvest. Yeah? So Jesus selfless love. His unconditional giving. In a sense. Allowing himself to be separated. From the health of God's garden. So that you and I could be grafted into it. To be alive. That, that That is where joy comes from. You may be pursuing happiness by being individualistic and consumeristic. But uh, happiness is based on you getting what you want. And feeling fulfilled. And feeling like you've been able to express yourself. And people have understood you. But you'll never get joy that way. You may be pursuing joy. But it won't come. You have to give yourself up. You have to give yourself unconditionally, just like Jesus did, for abundance to happen in your life. The way Jesus talks about it. Jesus gave himself up so that you could have the abundance of God's forgiveness and relationship and presence in your life. Now you give yourself up. Let's all give ourselves up. Everybody gives and thereby everybody receives something. Nobody hoards, and therefore, everybody is blessed. I don't just mean money. I mean time and energy and your heart and your plans. We're all involved in some way. So growing personally, it, it, it never means growing just as an individual Christian. Growing, growing means you grow together. You grow in the context of the people around you. Growing in their faith. They're encouraging you. You're encouraging them by how you speak. And how you serve. And how you worship. So Jesus is... Jesus, he said he's chosen us. And and he's grafted us into his vine. Yeah? For everlasting fruitfulness. For connected to his word. And thereby his word connected to his will. And thereby his will connected to his work, you will be eternally fruitful. And the things you work for and the things you live for are not going to be burned in the end. What you're accomplishing now, what you can accomplish now, will have eternal impact. Right? Because things fade away, but people last forever. You want to invest in people? Because they're going to last forever. Jesus invested in you. Uh, We invest in one another. So, so since Jesus has chosen us and grafted us into his vine so that we can be eternally productive, let's grow up together. Let's just grow up together and do something beautiful for Jesus. Let's bear beautiful fruit for Jesus. All right? And we're going to talk about this for the next four weeks. We'll use different images. We'll talk about the human body, and we'll talk about a building, a structure, and, and just see what insight these images have for our walk together. And, and every Sunday morning, we're going to focus on a different ministry or a different passion of this church so that you can see what we're about. And I think you're going to, if you want to, if you're, if you're saying right now, I don't know what my place is here, my hope is in the next month you'll have an answer. So start asking God right now, how do you want me to be productive as your disciple? Especially as a part of this local church. Lord, how do you want me to be productive? And we'll help you get there. If it's not obvious, we'll sit down, we'll talk about it, and we'll figure it out. So let's grow up together and let's do something beautiful for Jesus. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for these amazing images that Jesus offered his disciples, and now we're benefiting from it. We praise you for our Jesus Christ, the vine, the faithful vine. Thank you for grafting us in to him. Now, by your grace, teach us to abide in him and to abide together. Amen.